I don't want to take very much time. I just wanted to mention a few verses out of Ephesians chapter 1. As I was listening to the prayer requests today, I heard many things on the frightening things that we have in life, the um, changes that come from day to day and the, um, the decay that comes from day to day mentioned in various prayer requests that we have. And we tend to not know what's going to happen the next day. We're, we, are, we might know some of what's going to happen the next day, but we're still worried about it. And we, um, we're puzzled and we try to figure out what to do. But in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. There's many Christian denominations that don't find comfort in the doctrine of predestination, but I do, because I don't know what's going to happen the next few days or next few years, but God has, a, has an idea of what we're going to be like at the end of time. In the resurrection, we will be conformed to the image of his son, Amen. and God had good pleasure in choosing that this would be our end, and um, although I may not understand what that is like now, I can't really think of it, I know that my God is holy and loving and would not choose something that is bad for us. And so if it is pleasing to a holy God, it should be pleasing to me as well. And so even though I have many things that distract me or frighten me or others may be going through, the end of the matter is that God has predestined that we be like his son. His son is glorified in heaven and in perfect peace, and that is where we will be as well. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I... Thank you for this brother that's traveled so far to come preach to us this morning, and I pray that you please pour out your spirit upon him and bless him, and uh, grant us minds to concentrate on what he says and focus on what he says, and to take away from it what we need to, that we would live our lives better and live our lives according to the word that you have given us. I thank you for the rain that you have sent us, and I pray that you continue to send more our way. And I uh, thank you for those that are here. And uh, Lord, I pray that you please bless those that were mentioned that are looking at illnesses or other um, bodily harms that they're going through and struggles they're going through, that you please bless them and bless those that are caring for them. And then those who are looking at new things in life and changes that may, that may frighten them, that you would comfort their hearts and be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Very much appreciate the good words and good prayer Brother Jonah has shared with us this morning. And I do uh, ask a continual interest in your prayers uh, today. I uh, would like to draw your attention to a, a story in, the day, in a day in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ found in Luke chapter 13. We'll... Begin reading in verse 10. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together 
and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. This story begins, and we'll get to the ending when we get to the ending, but the story begins with the Lord Jesus Christ teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And that stuck out to me that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, who created it all, the busiest man in the world felt it important enough to lay aside things on the day of worship, to be on, in the house of worship, assembled with the people of God, to worship God. That's a fantastic idea in my mind, how the Lord of glory... This day, we, we don't know where the Lord was on this day. We don't know what town or what village he was in. We don't know what the name of the synagogue was. We don't know the name of the rabbi. We don't even know the name of the woman that he dealt with on this day. It's some unnamed house of worship in some unnamed town and some unnamed woman. And yet the people on that day had the Lord of glory walk in the doors of of the house of worship. And the very object of their worship. Appeared in the midst with them. You know where the Lord has promised to be with his people? The Lord has promised to be. In the midst of his people. When we are worshiping him. <clears throat> There's a wonderful verse back in Zechariah. Chapter 2. Several verses in this chapter. I just want one of them. In Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 5. For I, said the Lord, will be unto her, Jerusalem, a wall of fire around about her, and will be the glory in the midst of her. That's not the verse I wanted, so let me turn to verse 10 and read the verse that I wanted. Sing and rejoice. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. You know who that is? That's you and I. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Why? For lo, I come. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. You know where the Lord has promised to be? With his people in the house of worship on the appointed day of worship. When his people are together glorifying him. What if this morning. What if we had somebody had ran a, an ad in the local newspaper. I don't know what the local newspaper here is. But what if you picked up the Sunday morning uh, Social Circle Herald, or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. And, and you read that at Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, a visiting preacher was going to be there, and his name was Jesus. How many people do you think would... Could we fit the people <laughs> in, in this building that would be here to see and to hear and to be with the very Lord of glory? Or, or what if, 
what, what if um, you, you wouldn't invite necessarily, probably, um, a, a visiting area minister by the name of Charles Stanley, very well known, very nearby, or, or maybe a, a David Jeremiah from San Diego, California? What, what if a, you know, a quote-unquote big-name preacher was uh, scheduled to be at Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church? And everybody in the community knew that, uh, that a, a Billy Graham, before he passed away maybe, was going to visit Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church. You don't have enough seats to hold all the people to come and hear Billy Graham. Well, I got somebody better. I, we know somebody better that has promised to be with his people on the day of worship, in the house of worship, when God's people are together and collectively worshiping him Jesus Christ himself has promised to be with his people in a very real way. I tell you, child of God, you and I, we ought to come to the house of God with the earnest expectation of the Lord being here. That's my hope. Who did you wake up to come to the house of God? Some of you may have, some of you young people, I know how it was when I was young. I came to church whether I wanted to or not. I was drugged to church. <laughs> Why did you come to church this morning? Was it to hear a, 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 a fantastic sermon by a fantastic preacher? I hope not because you're going to be greatly disappointed if, that's your, if that was your uh, goal. Or, or to hear the singing of the hymn. That, your singing was beautiful this morning. But I tell you, that's not the primary reason we assemble together. We assemble together to worship the glory of our God in hopes that he will come down and meet with us and dwell with us for a little while. That's what I need when I come to church. I need to feel the presence of my Savior. And here he was in some unnamed synagogue, in some unnamed town. He shows up. Lo and behold, the very object of, they, of, of their worship, and they didn't even realize it, walks in the door, and he speaks to them. And behold, there was a woman which had an, a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift herself up. I want to see this morning an eternal application in this story. But then I also want to see and notice a timely application which, is, which fits more the context of this story. There was a woman here that had a condition. She had a spirit of infirmity. She had an infirmity. And what what is the root cause of all infirmity in the world? <laughs> it's sin. Now, I'm not saying that this woman is going through this infirmity because of a sin of hers. I don't know that. We do know that sin has consequences. We, we do know for sure that if, you, you know, the Bible tells you, be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> sin is expensive in our lives. It's not worth it's not worth um, the investment in. You, you know, um, over there in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Moses 
who um, it mentions there how that Moses growing up under um, in Pharaoh's house, how that um, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the, the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he be destroyed, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. All right, now let me find what I'm looking for. Here it is in verse 25. Moses, verse 24, Moses, when he was come to year, refu years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You know, sin has pleasure, doesn't it? <laughs> the Bible says sin has pleasure. If, if, if sin wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't do it. If it was nothing in, for, in, in it for us, we wouldn't, there would be nothing, there would be no incentive for us to sin. But, but the pleasure of sin is yet for a season, and sometimes the consequences are long-lasting. Sometimes the price we pay, well, every time, not sometimes, the price we pay is not worth the joy that we get out of a pleasure of sin. I don't know why this woman, you know, there, uh, there was one time uh, uh, some Pharisees or maybe his disciples came to him one time, um, about a, a man that I think he was blind from birth. And, 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 the, and the people wanted to know, Lord, who sinned? This, this man or, or his parents? Whose fault was it? You know, sometimes it's just the world that we live in. We live in a world that's full of sin. We live in a world that's full of sorrow. We live in a world that's full of pain. We live in a world that's full of trouble. And all of that can be pay, traced right back to our great-great-great-great-granddaddy Adam. This woman was in a condition, and I tell you, you and I, by nature, were all in a condition. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so sin passed upon all men, for that all have sin. Sin is a condition that we all share together, whether we want to admit it or not. We're professional sinners this morning. That's what we do. Sin passed upon. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You and I this morning bear the same uh, um, infirmity, and that infirmity is sin. And that infirmity of sin has consequences, eternal consequences. The wages of sin, what do we get for sin? Death. The wages of sin is death. And Solomon says, there is not a righteous man upon the earth, that, or not a just man, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All of us are in that boat together. We're all sinners. And we all deserve not just death, corporal death, bodily death. We all deserve an eternal separation from a holy God. Because the wages of sin is death. This woman was bowed down. There was a consequence, or there was a... Um, 
uh, there, was, there was an effect of her infirmity. She was bowed together. And it furthermore says that she could in no wise lift herself up. I'm going to tell you that's a picture of you and I by nature in sin and depravity. There is nothing that you and I can do to lift ourselves up. The preacher can't do it. The gospel can't do it. Uh, you, you can't pray the, a prayer good enough to lift yourself up and be just before God. Somebody says, you know, I have a lot of good friends that they say, well, how do I, you know, all you have to do is, is say this prayer and, and, and accept Jesus and, you know, and, and confess your sins. Well, the Apostle Paul says that the, the natural man in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they, the gospel, the things of the Spirit of God, the gospel and the church, seeking after God, the things of the Spirit of God, are foolishness to him. Neither indeed can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned, and the natural man does not, and furthermore, he cannot. He doesn't and he can't and he can't and he doesn't. It's an impossibility. You and I, by nature, in an eternal sense, were just like this woman. She had a condition of sin and that sinful condition or that condition had an effect on her. She was bowed down and she could in no wise. There was nothing she could do to lift herself back up. But I love the next verse. Let's read it together. And when Jesus saw her. Aren't you glad you and I serve a Jesus who sees? You know, some people will explain the doctrine of election and predestination. What John, Brother Jonah preached to us about this morning. Spoke to us on the doctrine of predestination like this. That God saw from before, the, uh, b- before time began. God saw, looked down through the annals of time, and he saw who was going to accept him and who was going to uh, confess and who was going to be baptized. God saw what man was going to do, and based on what God saw you were going to do, he chose you and he predestined you. Well, I'm going to tell you there's two places, at least three, but two of them say the same thing. There are two places, at least, that, that, that say very specifically what God saw when he looked down from heaven. Psalm chapter 14 says, God and the Lord looked down from heaven to see if there were any that did understand and that did seek him. Psalm chapter 14, verse 2. And the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. The next verse tells us what he found when he looked down. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. In the other place it says they are all together become unprofitable. I want to tell you, that's pretty strong language, child of God. 
filthy. How, did you come to church this morning to be called filthy? <laughs> By nature we are filthy. Unprofitable to God. There's none that seeketh after him is what he found. Over in Genesis chapter 6, um, the, when the Lord is about to send the waters of the flood upon the earth right before he calls Noah in Genesis chapter 6 in verse 5 it says and God saw this is another instance where God is looking down and saw something notice what it says and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually that's what God saw when he looked down from his righteous throne in heaven, he didn't see anyone that was seeking after him. He didn't see any, anyone that was trying to get right. He didn't see, you know, that's what a, a lot of my friends will say. How do we, you got to get right. You got to be ready. Better be ready when the Lord comes. Got to get right. Well, when the Lord looked down from heaven, he didn't see any that were trying to get right with him. He saw the, the exact opposite, that every imagination, Every thought of the intent of man's heart was only evil and that continually. And yet, a couple of verses down, the scripture says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. What was it that made the change? In your life. I'll tell you what it was. It's that you and I. Found grace. In the eyes of God. That's what made the. That's why you're here. This morning. It's not because you woke up on the right side of the bed. <laughs> it's not because you uh, got a good night's sleep. <laughs> I tell you I'll commend you for being. Let me tell you. You are in the bed. You have made the most important decision. Of your day already. Was being in the house of God. On the Lord's day to worship him for what great things he's done for you and I. He's worthy of it. Jesus saw her. And I tell you, child of God, I'm thankful we have a God that sees us in that despicable condition of nature. And he loves us anyway. Isn't that wonderful? He loved the unlovable. He was drawn to the despise, the, 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 the despicable. He saw her in that condition. And he didn't just leave her there. <laughs> he could have. You know, Jesus is sovereign. He, he could have left her in that condition. He saw her. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And he spoke to her. And he said, woman... Be healed of thine infirmity. And he laid his hand upon her. I want you to notice all the things, the handful of things that Jesus does here. And apply them real quickly in an eternal way. He saw her just like he saw us in that despicable condition of sin. And in that despicable condition that he saw us in, he spoke. He called us. He, he as it were, laid his hands upon us. By the outstretched arm of his Holy Spirit. When he 
when he infused his Holy Spirit in us. You know, the Bible says, the Bible gives a, a couple of occasions where the Lord Jesus Christ went to those who were dead and he raised them from the dead. And, and every time, every time the Lord Jesus Christ went to a dead and raised a dead person out of that state of deadness into a state of life, Jesus always, you think about Lazarus, there was a, a widow's son of name, um, there was a, a, a young uh, maid that he told to arise. Jesus, on all three of those occasions, he went personally. He didn't send a disciple. He didn't send one of the preachers. <laughs> he didn't send the church to go after that one. He went personally. He spoke directly to the one who was dead. And what he said to the one that was dead, well, he gave an imperative command for the one that was dead to become alive. <laughs> he didn't give an opportunity. He didn't give a chance. He didn't, uh, he didn't say, okay, now all you got to do, Lazarus, if you'll just raise your right finger, <laughs> I'll give you life. No, Jesus spoke sovereignly and directly and powerfully, Lazarus, come forth. And I love what the next phrase says. And he that was dead came forth. You know what Lazarus did? Lazarus did just exactly what Jesus Christ told him to do. And there was nothing that Lazarus could have done about that. <laughs> verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus said in John chapter 5, the hour cometh. And now is. You know what now is means? That means right now. It's going on right now. Listen to what's going on right now. The hour cometh and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the preacher. Is that what it says? No, it says the hour cometh and now is when the dead shall hear. Not might hear, shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear it will have an opportunity to accept that voice. Is that what that says? No, it says they that hear it in that dead state shall live. I get, I, the hair on the back of my neck stands up a little bit. You know what's going on right now while you and I are worshiping God in Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church? The voice of the Son of God is calling His people all over the world and they are hearing and they are living to the glory and honor of His name. Whether they've ever heard His name before or not. Whether they ever read the, the red letter edition or not. They are hearing His voice and they are living to the glory of him that speaks to the dead and they live. That's wonderful to know, isn't it? <laughs> he saw her. He called her and spoke to her. And he, and he laid his hands upon her and immediately, with, without delay, she was made straight and glorified God, you know what you and I ought to spend the rest of our days doing for what great things he has done for us. We ought to spend the rest of our days glorifying God. 
for his love for us. Wretched, unworthy sinners that we are. Yet he loved us anyway. And he loved us enough to do something about our condition. Now that's an eternal context, or that's an eternal application. But I'll tell you, there's another application to this that I, I think speaks more closely to the context of the story. This woman had a real problem. She had a spirit of infirmity. She was, she was bowed together. Doubled over. That word, bowed together, that phrase, bowed together, comes from a, a medical term that means the curvature of the spine. It, we might think of it, of it like a scoliosis. In, in middle school, I'm a middle school teacher at home, and every year um, our middle school students have to go through scoliosis examination. And it's a, a quick examination, and it's pretty much an easy fix if you catch it young. I had a student several years ago that after she had her, her spine was so crooked that after she had her surgery, it added an inch and a half to her height. It was her spine was just a zigzag mess. And, and sometimes it can, this condition, sometimes it can zigzag this way, and sometimes it can zigzag back and forth. This man, though this woman, had, a, had a, a true condition that literally bowed her over. She was a, like a hunchback. I wonder, child of God, if you've ever had times in your life where the weight of this world and the problems and cares of this life have been so heavy on your heart you felt as if you were carrying the world on your shoulders. And maybe not physically, but inwardly, your heart was bowed over. I tell you, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we've probably all been through those times. And, and the Bible later on tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ says that it was Satan that had bound her. Eighteen Years. Can you imagine the condition of this woman for 18 years with this condition? I imagine, I don't know, that she had been to other doctors. I don't know that she maybe had been like the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible tells us that that woman with the issue of blood had gone to numerous physicians of this world. And listen, this is what it tells us about that, that she was made none the better, but rather grew worse. You know what the physicians of this world, listening to the physicians of this world, will make us? It'll not make us any... I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the doctor. Please don't misunderstand that. I'm saying... I'm saying the Dr. Phil's and the Dr. Oz's of this world do not have every answer for your problems and troubles in life. But there is a great physician who does. And sometimes, child of God, we need to unplug from the philosophy, 
of, of what the world tells us to do to better ourselves. Because that will make us none the better. In fact, not only will it not make us any better, it will make us worse following the world's philosophy. How many of you, please don't raise your hand, but how many of you have followed the world's philosophy and it led to a dead-end street with a cliff at the end of it? I have. I'll be the first one to tell you. I tell you, you and I, when our hearts get heavy and our spirits bow low, there is one that you and I can come to, and he is the great physician. When you and I see the world that we live in and the world of trouble that we're in, you know, the devil is very crafty. He is subtle. He uses tools like discouragement. He uses tools like fear, anxiety, depression. Now, those are real things. But I'm going to tell you, the devil can get in those situations of life and he can compound it. If we don't keep our eyes up, he can use a situation of the loss of, well, I'm going to tell you, I've lost some close people in my life, and that's a low time when you lose a loved one. And the devil knows exactly how to attack us when we're feeling low. This woman had been bound by Satan. She, she was bowed and bent, and she was bound. By the devil himself. And she could in no wise. Lift herself up. I just wonder child of God this morning. Listen how many of you. Have been through low times. That you just couldn't seem. To lift yourself back up. We live in a world. That's full of that. But when Jesus saw her. Love that song we sang this morning. We don't have it in our book anymore. Jesus knows. Aren't you glad this morning that we serve a God who sees and he knows and he cares? Jesus sees if heavy hearted. You ever been heavy hearted? He sees. He knows better than the preacher knows. I wonder if we were to all take out a, a little whiteboard at school. Sometimes we use little whiteboards to... Uh, Write on and the students lift up a little whiteboard. I wonder if we all took out a little whiteboard and write down everything that's on your mind, everything that's pressing you down. I'm going to tell you, the preacher can't always see that. But you and I have come this morning to the best place in the world for us to be because there is one that can. He looks to the inside and he sees if heavy-hearted and he knows and he cares Jesus sees her in that condition and he calls her to himself and he speaks the words which no doubt were music to her ears. Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she, in that bent over, stooped over condition, stood up straight. She was made straight for the first time in 18 years. 
I'm going to tell you, sometimes the things that bother us in this life, the things that weigh us down, we may get to a point where we just don't see an end. And, and, and maybe, we, maybe there are some things that we have to carry. But I'm going to tell you about one who has the power and the ability and the care to lift up those burdens that you and I carry around in this world whether it be problems in the family or problems in the church or problems at work or problems at school, we live in a problem-riddled world. And Jesus sees it when we're heavy-hearted. You know, this woman, I think about Coming to the house of God or the house of worship in this condition on this day. I don't know of anybody in scripture. That I, that I can't think of anybody in scripture. That would have more of an excuse. To stay home. <laughs> and people would probably understand. If she would have stayed in her condition. And, and as a pastor. I've had people call me for less, for much less. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> Sorry, I can't come to church this morning. I got a headache. Well, okay. Hope you feel better. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. A lot of people, and I'm, I'm a human being just like anybody else is here. A lot of people, when we go through trials and troubles and tribulations and the, the cares of this life weigh our hearts down, the last thing we want to do sometimes is be around a bunch of people and, be, and try to feel social. And so a lot of people, when they get down and depressed and feel of anxiety or feel full of fear and depressed in this world, they want to stay away. I want to tell you, child of God, when you and I are going through troubles that weigh us down, and listen, you know, a lot of times we preachers, we, we preach to the grown-ups in the crowd. I'm going to tell you, the young children here, the, the young people here this morning have, have little people version of trials and troubles and wait and weights on them that you and I can just say, oh, well, they'll just grow out of that. But I'm going to tell you, it's just that some, some of those things are just as real to those small children as our grown-up problems are to us. But I'm going to tell you, the church of the living God is the best place for you and I to be, especially in those conditions. Because you never know, lo and behold, we may come together and the Lord may show up and lift that weight off of our hearts and speak as, he, as if he did to this woman. Be healed of that infirmity. And immediately, she, what if she had missed that day? <laughs> what if this woman had legitimately just said, well, you know what, I'm just... My back's hurt. My, my spine's been curved for 15, 18 years, and I'm hurting. Don't you know she must have been not only physically in pain, but don't you know she must have been a laughing stock or a, a gazing stock to people who saw her? That poor, pitiful woman. And yet she came to the best place that she could possibly be. And lo and behold, the Lord of glory came in the door and spoke directly to her. He had a message just for her. And I can't tell you, child of God, I don't, I don't know what you may be carrying 
as a burden on your heart this morning. And, and, and you know, if you want to talk about it, we can. But, but I, don't, I don't necessarily want to know everybody's problems because I, I, can't, I can't deal with all of them. But I can tell you about one who can. You understand? We serve a great physician who's able. He laid his hands on her. I love it. Don't you love it when you come to the house of God and you can feel the very presence of your Savior with you in the pew? That's a special time. If this woman had missed the day of worship this day or anybody else had missed the day, they would have missed out on the biggest blessing of their life. There was a older man at home. He passed away a few years ago. Brother Thompson Lord. Some of you may know Brother Thompson Lord. He used to come to, he was a member of Bay Springs and he would come in a wheelchair. He had Parkinson's disease and he would come in a wheelchair and it was a true struggle for him to get out of his bed, to get to get his clothes on, to get in the wheelchair, to get in the truck. Brother Thompson always used to have to say, he always had a saying that he said he always he never wanted to miss a, a day of church. Um, he always used to say, because you never know what you might miss. <laughs> you never know what you might miss on any given day. The Lord might have a message just for you. The Lord might come in his presence and manifest himself in a special way just for you. <laughs> Handful of purpose. <laughs> just for you. And she glorified God. I'm going to tell you, child of God, we ought to spend the rest of our days glorifying the one who not only has remedied our eternal condition, but who time and time and time again in his divine providence and love and care has lifted the weights of this world from our hearts and souls. Now look real quickly. The ruler of the synagogue in verse 14. You would think that the, the people that had known this woman all their lives, they saw this great miracle. Wow, for 18 years she's been in a hunched condition and all of a sudden Jesus comes and he heals her and everybody's happy. You would think. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, he was mad. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. <laughs> and he says, there are six days in which men ought to work. And them therefore come and be healed. Well, there's nobody at the synagogue on those other days. <laughs> How are they going to come and be healed when there's nobody there? She came to the exact place that she needed to be. The exact time she needed to be there. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Don't you take care of your own animals on the Sabbath day? And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? He's saying to this rabbi, She's your kinfolks. She's your family and, and Abraham. Ought not this woman, being the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he said these things, his adversaries were ashamed. I reckon they were. <laughs> Shame on them. 
for bringing charge against the Lord Jesus Christ for healing this woman on the Sabbath day. His adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by her. I'm going to tell you this morning, child of God, you and I serve a God. Isaiah chapter 42 says, who makes crooked things straight again. I don't know what might be crooked in your life. I don't know what you might be bent over and weighed down. But I'm going to tell you, you came to the right place this morning to worship the only one who can legitimately lift that burden and make your crooked things straight in this life. She glorified God. The religious rulers of the day were angry. Do you know the, relig the religious folks of this day are just as angry for you and I saying that Jesus has the right to do what Jesus does? <laughs> they were just, they're, they're just as angry today as these religious folks were back 2,000 years ago. Not much has changed in organized religion of the world, has it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Jesus is God. He's sovereign. He has the right... Our God is in the heavens and he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. He can heal or he cannot. He can save or he cannot. It is up to him, isn't it? And he gets the glory for what he does. She glorified God for what he had done for her. The religious world were angry at Jesus for doing what he does. <laughs> and all the people, meanwhile, round about rejoiced. For all, what does it say? For all the glorious things that were done by him. What about your life? Has the Lord Jesus Christ done some glorious things in your life? He loved you before the world began. He chose you from a fallen state. He sent his own son to die a death, even the death of the cross. To redeem you. And he's coming back one day. To collect you. May we be in that camp. Who glorifies God. And rejoices. Not only for the eternal things. Can you look back to just a couple of days ago. Or yesterday. Or today. And see some glorious things. That God has done for you. Specifically. In your life. I tell you, it's easy to get down in this world. It's, it's easy to look out and, 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 and see the problems in Washington and see the problems in Atlanta, see the problems in our schools, see the problems and problems and problems of this world. I'm going to tell you, child of God, you and I need to, more, need to do more looking up than we do looking out. Lift up your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh thy help. Jesus hath done all things well. May we glorify him and rejoice him for all the glorious things that are done by him. Blessed be his name. It's been a wonderful blessing for me to be with you this morning. And may God bless you is my prayer.